15 years. That's how long Pastor Yamiti in China was imprisoned. Yamiti is a bivocational pastor. He was running a business and led a house church, but then he was arrested, the government accusing him of inciting separatism. Pastor Yumidi serves the Uyghurs community, a Turkic ethnic group of largely Muslims. In fact, it was from Islam that Pastor Yumidi converted. I wish I could report life became easier for him once he became a Christian, but he faced great persecution. In 2008, the Chinese government arrested Yumidi after a phone call with a Christian friend in the United States. They had held several secret trials and charged him with sharing state information. Many Christian rights groups came to his defense, all while Pastor Yamidi's wife struggled to support their family. But by the grace of God, Pastor Yamidi was recently released. Pray that the Lord would protect him and his family as they embark on their next chapter of ministry, serving Jesus. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're in a series for the second week called How Sweet the Sound. We've spent much of this week looking at the hymn Amazing Grace, line by line, to reflect more on John Newton's testimony of God's grace in his life. It's incredible to think of all the scripture and the life experiences that became a part of this hymn. I hope it's been encouraging for you, as it has been for me. Well, today, we'll be looking at the third stanza. That's where it focuses on the reality of danger and suffering in this world. We spoke about this danger a few days ago in the program. Where are we to go when it seems as though our world is falling apart? We don't look to the things of this world to comfort us. We need to look to God. He's the one who gives grace upon grace to carry us through the storm. Let's listen to the third stanza, sung by a bluegrass group out of Branson, Missouri. They live in Branson, Missouri, and there they were singing the third verse of Newton's Amazing Grace. The mother actually plays the bass in that group. What do you think John Newton was thinking about as he wrote these lines? Well, if you've been listening to our program last week and this, I'm sure it's easy to see how he was thinking of his own life. He had faced many dangers, toils, and snares. He had lived a life of great sin, yet he had met a great Savior who showed him grace. I want you to hear a little more from my friend Dr. Bruce Heinmarsh as he explains to us the grace journey Newton was on as he left the slave trade and eventually he became a pastor in England. Well, he leaves the slave trade in 1754, but for about uh, 10 years, he's a layperson. 
He has a civil service job in the customs port of Liverpool, and he becomes self-taught. He teaches himself Latin and Greek and Hebrew and even Syriac, <laughs> and he becomes aware of the revival that's going on. He meets Whitfield and Wesley, and his heart, he feels like, if I've received mercy, how can I help other people find God's mercy? And he wants to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. He begins... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking, even as a layperson, speaking and sometimes preaching. And um, and he feels a real call to the ministry. After seven years, he's ordained in the Church of England, and he um, has a, a parish in the English Midlands, a, a little town of about 2,000 people at Olney. And here is where finally he can um, offer to people as a minister the grace that he himself had received. And, you know, it's uh, there's a little awakening that happens. Mm-hmm. They have to add another balcony to the church. Mm. He Pretty soon he's having services sometimes almost every day of the week. You know, he began this pattern of writing sermons, but then to go along with the sermon, he'd write a hymn. Hmm. And uh, William Cooper, his friend, the, the poet who and his neighbor, would help with this enterprise. And part of it was mnemonic, so you could remember the sermon. Hmm. Is you'd have the the sermon, but then you'd have the hymn, and you could recite the hymn while you're doing your lace making or while you're working in the field. And if you couldn't read, and if you couldn't read, yeah. And it was a way that to have the gospel go into people's hearts. Dr. Bruce Heinmarsh sharing about the unique grace journey of John Newton. This grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Well, we're going to think more about that in a moment. And after the program, I'd like to send you a copy of the brand new book that Bruce Hindmarsh co-wrote with Craig Burleys called Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton, and the surprising story behind his song. This biography reads like a novel, and it'll have you singing with joy how Christ's grace can transform the hardest of sinners. You can download a sample chapter from the book and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And why don't you consider doing what several other people have done over the past few days? They've gotten a copy for themselves, and they've gotten a copy for someone else as well. So you can use it to minister grace to others. You can also call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. And now I want us to open with the Wilberforce Choir and Chris Tomlin. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. I first believe my chains are
was inspired by the motion picture Amazing Grace, which was really on the life of William Wilberforce, Chris Tomlin and the Wilberforce Choir. Amazing Grace on a Haven Today called How Sweet the Sound. I'm Charles Morris. My friends, Bruce Hindmarsh and Craig Berlays, who wrote the stirring, just-out biography of John Newton called Amazing Grace, write in their book that Newton had never known so much turmoil so much fighting and so much death than during his time on a slave ship. There is the danger that comes from being at sea. But there are also threats from rival boats, from pirates and other thieves. God's grace saved him from those dangers, toils, and snares by bringing him out of the sinful slave trade. But, you know, you and I have dangers, toils, and snares in our lives as well, don't we? We have an enemy who desires to devour us. We sometimes call him Satan or the devil. He may use temptations, persecutions, and other forms of disaster in order to discourage us in our faith. We also suffer from the effects of living in a fallen world. We see and feel that things aren't right. And as we grow older, We start to read of old friends or loved ones who have died or are dying now. We begin to notice our own bodies are slowing down. Tell me about it. Sadly, some of us find out very early in life that sin and brokenness 
has impacted this whole world. Well, when I was about four years old, my mom was diagnosed with asthma. And this diagnosis came during a time when little could be done to help her. Inhalers were not yet available as they are today. I would see her struggle. I would hear those asthma attacks come on. And for the next four years, I would see her go back and forth from her home to the hospital. And over those four years, my dear mother could never just rest. Even on vacation, we would sometimes have to drop her off at a hospital due to an asthma attack. Well, one Saturday in September, early 1960s, I was preparing to go to a birthday party and my mom was not feeling well. That was normal. She was having a hard time breathing. And as she got into the car to go back to the hospital again, she told me she loved me and she hoped I would have a good time at the party. I had no reason at that moment to imagine it would be different from prior times when she had to go into the hospital for a day or two. So I went to the party. I came home afterwards. My brother and I were at home alone, waiting for my mom and dad to return. And after a very long Saturday, the door opened wide. My dad walked through. My mom wasn't there. My father was weeping. I noticed behind him stood the pastor of the church we were in and the music minister from that same church. And then I heard the words from my father that I'll never forget. Boys, we've lost her. Now that, as an eight-year-old, was not something I expected to hear. The prior four years were filled with sickness, hospital visits, and little to no improvement ever for my mother. But I didn't think she would die. The many dangers, toils, and snares sometimes aren't even your own, but those that you love around you. So what can you do? I think the only thing you can do is trust and lean on God's grace to carry you through these dangers. Well, I'm happy to tell you my mother was a woman of faith. She knew she loved the Lord. And just a few years ago, even as I'm getting older, I opened up a box and I started reading cards and letters that had come after her death. I'd never seen them before. And I was reminded of her faith and other people writing of the faith that my late mother had. Though I wasn't ready for my mom to die, in a certain sense, I can say that my mom was ready to die. And why was that? Because she was dependent on God's grace and knew that grace would lead her home. It was probably about 20 years after my mother died that I met the doctor who was caring for my mother that day, that night in the hospital. He remembered it clearly and told me about my mother's last day on earth. And he told me she died, and she was prepared to die, and she's with her Lord now. Well, that, of course, was a great encouragement for me when our days here on earth have run their course. Well, I'm sure there are many scripture passages that John Newton was thinking about as he wrote the third verse of Amazing Grace. But there's one verse that I think summarizes the stanza so well, and it's found in 1 Peter 5.10. 
the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter was writing to a group of Christians who, like Pastor Yamidi, were facing persecution for their faith. Those Christians were going through dangers, toils, and snares. Peter wrote two letters to encourage them in the face of persecution to not leave the faith, but to continue hanging on to Jesus Christ. Let's see how Peter does that in this verse. First, he reminded them of who their God is. Is he the God of some grace, who will give us a bit of grace whenever he feels like it? Not at all. He is the God of all grace. There is always grace to be found in our Lord. Peter also tells the Christians he's writing to that their suffering lasts a little while. This is not Peter being insensitive. He's not trying to minimize the fact that they were suffering, and neither should we. We don't need to deny our or other people's suffering, but we should look at our suffering in light of eternity. And when we see the reality of being in heaven with Christ, the sufferings of this world do just last a little while. And this suffering for a little while is nothing compared to being in the presence of our Lord and Savior. But how do we know that we'll actually make it through the dangers, toils, and snares of this world? Because God has promised that he will. Peter tells us that God will do four things in our lives. He will restore, strengthen, confirm, and establish us. And what this means for us is that if you are ever ensnared by sin, and we all are, God if you're in Jesus Christ, will restore you and give you his peace. If you're wounded by the dangers of this world, God will grant you strength. If the devil speaks the lie that you will not be accepted by the Lord, God will confirm you as his son and daughter. And finally, if you're weary from the toils of life, God will establish you. And he does that in Jesus Christ. God's grace will see you through. It saw my late mother through. It saw Pastor Yamidi through. It will preserve you until you are brought home in heaven where Christ is. Now, isn't that a wonderful truth? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I hope the next time you sing those words, you do so with renewed sense, a sense of joy in the grace provided by your Savior. What grace is mine that he who dwells in endless light called through the night to find my distant soul mercy that would plead for me that I might live and in his name be
That's the Gettys from their Awaken the Dawn album. And what grace is mine here on this Haven today. How sweet the sound. Yesterday, I had lunch with my friend, Dr. Bruce Hindmarsh. Janet made chicken salad. Bruce's wife, Carolyn, came. We really enjoyed our time together. Bruce not only knows a lot about church history, especially John Newton, but he has a pastor's heart to encourage everyone he comes in contact with to know Christ more and better. So when I heard that this year was the 250th anniversary of the hymn Amazing Grace, I knew he was the guy to write a new biography that would be accessible to people like you and me and a new generation that needed to hear his story and learn about the hymn. And along with another friend of mine, who's an incredible Christian storyteller, together they wrote the just-released hardback Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton, and the surprising story behind his song. My wife and I have so enjoyed reading it, and I know you will as well. And as you do, I know your heart will be stirred as you reflect on the grace and mercy of Jesus in your own life, as you read this historically accurate but dramatic retelling of John Newton's story. So, I want to send you a copy of the book for your gift to the ministry. The book in hardback is Amazing Grace, The Life of John Newton, and the surprising story behind his song. But why not share grace with others? Get a copy of the book for yourself, get another copy, and give it away to somebody who needs to find grace in Christ or more grace in Christ. You can go to our website, download a free sample chapter, but then make your gift there at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. Or just, as I say sometimes, get on the blower. Call us right now at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And as we go, if this program is a blessing to you, whether you get to join me occasionally or frequently, would you pray about becoming a Haven partner? And that's somebody who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to share grace with others through Haven Ministries. Ask about it when you call us. Read about it when you go online. A Haven partner 
I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Come back again on Friday, won't you? When again, we'll be sharing together the great story of grace. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Joshua 1.9 gives us one of the most powerful commands in all of Scripture. Actually, it's the most common command. Do not be afraid. Take heart. Joshua had every reason to be afraid. He was young, and he was about to lead the Israelites into dangerous land that wasn't yet theirs. Don't be afraid. Why? For the Lord is with you. We have reasons to be afraid, too, but we need not fear because Christ is with us by the Spirit. And that's where our strength and our courage is found. Take heart. Your faith is not in vain. Have hope, not in yourself, but in the power of God that goes with you wherever you find yourself. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.